Hello, and welcome back to the Weekly Rundown presented by the Minnesota Daily. I am your host, Paul Hodowanek, and once again, we are talking football today, and to break down everything happening in the Gopher football world, we welcome back football reporter John Miller. How's it going, John? Good, Paul. You know, just Gophers are uh, undefeated. You can't ask for a better season so far. Exactly, and make sure to check out John's work on those undefeated Gophers at mndaily.com or in print. So let's get going. Last week, they destroyed Rutgers. I think it's fair to say we talked about it. On the podcast last week, we it's what we expected. My prediction didn't come as true. I was a little bit worried just maybe about them catching us off guard. Didn't really happen. They started slow, but still 42-7 to victory. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because I don't know how much we can learn from beating the 1-6 in six Rutgers, I believe they are now. Uh, but it's a big deal. Minnesota's 7-0 for the first time since, I think, 1961 or something like that. And the teams, it was just a, a game where the teams were headed in two different directions. Minnesota's headed up. Rutgers has had a lot of problems this season, not just this season, but they're not, they're headed downward. So it was, it was what we expected and it's what a team that's ranked needs to do against bad teams. So I guess that's a positive, but still not sure how much individual performance we can, or like things we can learn about that. So if anything, what do you think we can take away from that game? Uh, the one thing that I continue to see is more the, the, the running game keeps getting off to a great start. I mean, the three headed trio is just amazing between Ibrahim Brooks and Rodney Smith. And then, you know, I like to see it, Tanner Morgan, even when he starts off slow, he ends up finishing the game just fine. I mean, he still had about 230 yards and two touchdowns. And also the defense, I know Rutgers is one of the worst scoring teams in the nation, but the defense continues to hold off and allow the Gophers offense to find their stride. And if they continue to do that, I mean, the defense is playing insanely good. I know the competition hasn't been great, but they're a really impressive unit right now. Yeah, and I was just going to run through the offensive stats real quickly. Morgan had 15 for 28, so a lower completion percentage than we're used to, but still 245 yards, two touchdowns. Like you said, Rodney Smith continued to run well. He's just continuing to get better and better, and you can tell that he's kind of the workhorse, even with both Brooks and Ibrahim back kind of to full strength. It's going to be Smith more than the other two. Uh, he had 19 carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns. And then uh, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, we talk about it every week, but they just continue to put up numbers. They combined for 10 catches over 200 yards, two touchdowns, so really accounted for most of Morgan's passing game. But I think beyond all the stats, the most memorable part of, part of that game came late when the game wasn't really in the balance and when Casey O'Brien, uh, who I think everyone at this point knows his story, the four-time cancer survivor, that the backup holder on the team, and he finally got to get out there and uh, hold the ball for a, a, a successful field goal um, or a extra point attempt, and it was it was emotional on from us just watching the broadcast, I know he shared a, uh, an emotional hug you could see uh, with Fleck. What what did Fleck say after the game? What were the players saying about O'Brien? I know he's been a talking point over the last week. Yeah, I know the players are they're just super excited, you know, for Casey himself, and they see the the determination it took for him and everything that he's been through to get back onto the field. And a lot of these guys, I mean, Coach Rossi said it the best yesterday. He goes. You know, I wake up in the morning sometimes. I'm like, oh, man, I haven't had my cup of coffee yet or something, and I get cranky in the mornings. And then I look at Casey, and I'm like, what, what, you know, what, am, I, uh, what am I crying about here? Get up and let's go attack the day pretty much is what he, he summed up. And that's kind of been the motto of the team, and this team is just so close. And I don't know if I've ever seen a football team be this cohesive. I mean, it's they're really buying into that roll-the-boat culture, and, and Casey O'Brien is the epitome of it. Yeah, and I know Fleck, I think, held back tears on the on the post-game interview. So you can tell O'Brien has said that Fleck was kind of the only guy that gave him a chance once 
because he was an up and coming prospect. I know. I think he played quarterback beforehand, and yeah, he was at Creighton Durham Hall. He was a he was a pretty good prospect. I don't know if he was the greatest, but he was good. Yeah, and then but Fleck was kind of the only one to give him a chance once Fleck was hired on, and O'Brien came on, and I you can tell that they kind of share a, a special a special bond. What was Fleck's kind of emotions after the game when that got to happen? Oh man, Fleck was really emotional. He's just super excited for Casey. I mean. This is like, I mean, if you think about Fleck, I mean, a lot of people told Fleck that he wouldn't be where he was today. And so I think those two just share that common bond of perseverance. And um, it's, a, it's a really amazing story. And yeah, I, I mean, I think this has kind of been said enough, but like, you know, Fleck is just super excited. And then a lot of people, you know, like to hate on Fleck, but there's no doubt that he loves his players. And you saw that moment between him and Casey. And he talked about it a bunch, the relationship between the two. And it's, a, it's an amazing story. And I, I think they would all like to see him come out for more more holds, and the way they're going to do that is to be up by a lot and to continue winning. And so with that, I want to go on and look at Maryland as as that is their upcoming matchup Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Uh, here at TCF Bank Stadium. They're back at home, a couple of consecutive home games. They have Penn State after a bye week next week. So uh, the Gopher fans get to see their hometown team now coming down the stretch with that undefeated record, see if they get to hold on. So... But a quick preview of Maryland. They're three and four on the season, one and three in the Big Ten. And I think the best way to describe them has been very hot and cold. They some games they look really good. I remember after two games they had beaten, I think, Syracuse and it was a top twenty five team. People were thinking, Wow, Loxley, who's in his first year, he's kind of turned it around. They're an offensive juggernaut. Who's gonna stop them? They put up a combined hundred and forty two points in two games and then five games since, hundred and seven. I know they had one game when they put up forty eight, I think, in between that. So Four games there, not more than 50 points. So up and down, but they have that offensive firepower. And looking through it to try to kind of compare the two, because I think the teams are a little bit different when, than when they faced off last year. I know they have a lot of the same guys, but both programs that weren't exactly in the same spot. Uh, they played both Rutgers and Purdue. They beat Rutgers 48-7. to So, I don't again, not much we can learn about that there. But they did lose to Purdue 40-14, to and Purdue kind of put it on them in the passing game. And that is not what happened the Gophers as much. Uh, the Gophers beat Purdue on the road as well. And then Maryland blank, or got blanked by Penn State 59-0, who's going to be the Gophers' upcoming opponent. So it's, it's interesting to look at those comparisons to kind of see if you can kind of get a sense of where they are compared to you guys because when there's so much roster turnover, it's hard to look at it like a pro team and be able to be like, oh, we know Aaron Rodgers is coming, so we know what to expect. It's a little bit different. And those last two games there's been a glaring hole for Minnesota and it's been on that run defense uh, last year, 321 yards, four touchdowns allowed La- uh, two years ago, 262 yards, two touchdowns allowed. So they know, and it's again, a focal point of the Maryland offense. So in that respect, they do know what they're going to see. What have the Gophers said about containing that run game? Cause they know it's coming. Oh, they, they just talked about, they have to stop the big plays and they have to be, you know, really gap discipline. I mean, you're talking about leak and McFarland, the two running backs and McFarland's healthy now, apparently after a high ankle sprain and stuff like that. So we'll see if he's going to be 100% healthy going into the week because depth charts in college football really don't mean anything. Uh, but you're talking about Leak even you know taking over from McFarland is averaging 8.5 yards per carry, and that's on 59 touches. So this kid is pretty good. And, you know, Maryland really thrives off big plays. They have to have big plays. They don't really sustain drives. It's really boomer bust for this team. So the Gophers – Rossi talked about it. If they stop the big plays, they'll be fine, and that's what they're going to have to do, and I think that's the key to the game is stopping Leak and then McFarland. Um, they're, uh, 
They're going to have to stop those two. And those big plays were a problem last year, especially with McFarland. He had just six carries last year, but he had 112 yards, two touchdowns on six carries. So, and I know they lost Ty Johnson last year to the NFL, but they've still got McFarland, and he has been dealing with a high ankle sprain that caused him to miss practice. It's only caused him to miss one game last week against Indiana, but it sounds like he's going to be ready to go. And so, you know, that big play explosive ability is going to be there for Maryland. And the Gophers had a little bit of trouble, I think, in the first couple games in the non-conference. Fresno State sticks out. They were allowing some of those big plays, but it sounds like as we've gotten into Big Ten play a little bit more, they've been a little bit better in that area. Is that what you've seen as well? Yeah, I mean, this defense is gelling. I mean, Sam Renner has been disruptive. You know, the biggest difference to me, and I mean, we said it on the last football podcast, is Kamal Martin. But Kamal Martin might not be playing this weekend. I mean, I know he's number one in the depth chart. The guy was carted off the field. You don't know how serious his injury is. And like I talked about before the podcast, it's going to be gamesmanship between Loxley and uh, Fleck when it comes to injuries. But you know, the defensive coordinator for the Gophers against for the Maryland game was Rob Smith. And ever since, you know, um, Rossi has taken over, they've, you know, they've only lost one game. I mean, this guy is coaching a heck of a defense. I know they allowed big, you know, big points to Georgia Southern, South Dakota State, Fresno State, but they've been gelling since. And this, but like I said, I mean, the big part of that's Kamal Martin. And if he's not healthy, we could see those big plays by Maryland be hit. Yeah. And he did go down. Are they saying they're not giving much info about about his availability? No, yeah, Fleck pretty much said that he's going to be good to go on Saturday. Um, he's a game, He said he's a game-time decision, um, but he also said he, at some points he's good to go. So you, you're never going to get injury information out of Fleck. I mean, we heard before Falele is going to play. He's practicing, practicing 100%. Dude never practiced throughout the week. I mean, it's a lot of gamesmanship with Fleck. You'll never get a 100% serious answer out of Fleck, and he doesn't have to give you one in college football. It's not like the pros. And on Maryland's side, you said they may be a little bit of gamesmanship going on. Their quarterback who started the season, Josh Jackson, has been held out two games for a foot injury, I believe another high ankle sprain. And in those five games, he hasn't been great, but he's thrown for 10 touchdowns, almost 1,000 yards, a lot better than what, they, what they've been without him. What what should we expect in that passing defense, maybe, of either quarterbacks? Maryland isn't that great throwing the football. Yeah, I mean, Jackson is a pure pocket passer, so if he's still limited uh, by his lower body injury, I mean, he, a pocket passer has, you know, they don't move much, so if he, if he has a lower leg injury, he's not going to be able to move even more, so the pressure's going to get to him. Um, I think Pegram's going to get a lot of run uh, for Maryland, and he is a, a scrambling type of quarterback. He's good with his legs, but he's very inaccurate as well. Um, I just think you can you can let those if whoever plays between those two, you can let them do whatever they want. You got to stop the run game. I mean, Maryland's passing; they haven't thrived off of that all year, but they do um, have a very good wide receiver um, in Demas Jr. I mean, Fleck talked about him. Uh, in his press conference, I mean, he thinks the guy's a, a first-round draft pick, and that's that's pretty high praise from head coach. I know Fleck likes to overpraise teams sometimes, and, you know, Demas is a good wide receiver. Um, that's a stretch, but, you know, they'll have to stop him as well. And I, But the Gophers' defensive backfield has been impressive. Yeah, and looking at the numbers, Maryland has the 29th best rushing attack in the country for reference. That Statistically, yards-wise, that's better than the Gophers have been. So just to put it a little bit, there, we, we've seen a dynamic rushing attack these last couple weeks. Maryland has that ability, and then they've been only 78th in passing offense, which is kind of like where the Gophers have been, but in terms of touchdowns, in terms of big plays, it hasn't been quite as comparable. And now, shifting a little bit to the Gophers' offense and what we should expect against that Maryland defense, it might be a Morgan game. 
Um, they're number 31 in rushing defense. So near the top 25 in stopping the run. So in both running the ball and stopping the run, that's something that Maryland is able to do. I know they're going to want to establish the run. They're not going to abandon it by any means. But if it's not working early, they may have to go to the passing game. They're 118th in passing defense. That's the 12th worst in the FBS. So there's a glaring hole on one side on the passing game and not on the running game. Every coach always wants to establish the run. Fleck has been clear he wants to establish the run. But at some point, Morgan might have to make some plays that he hasn't had to make these past couple weeks. We saw it at the beginning of the season to win that Fresno State game, to win other games. He has had to use it. And so I don't have any, I don't lack confidence in his ability to do it, but he hasn't done it in a while. What are you, what's your interpretation of how they may have to go about this game to win? I mean, I think the Gophers, they're always going to try to run their inside, inside zone scheme, and they're going to try to get one of the running backs going, whether it be Smith, Ibrahim, or Brooks. I mean, those one of those three is going to get going, but like you said, they're going to have to pass the ball. And, you know, the Diamondback writer, the Maryland student newspaper, asked me, you know, how do we stop Rashad Bateman and um, Johnson? And I said, well, you got to get to Morgan. And if you get to Morgan, you rattle him a little bit, even though he's a guy who doesn't get rattled. If you get to him, you force him to get a couple turnovers early, um, that could be huge. But, I mean, Maryland's pass defense is so bad that even if they do try to stop Johnson and Bateman, good luck stopping Ottman Bell. I mean, these are three NFL caliber wide receivers, and it's going to be impossible. Minnesota, on paper, should just destroy Maryland in this game. But it seems like a trap game to me. Yeah, they've definitely got Ottman Bell. And I know when I was covering the team last year, there was always this lingering thing about the tight ends when they're going to get involved. I know they really haven't been involved at all in the passing game, but I remember every week it would be like, when is Brevin Spanford going to play? Like He was going to redshirt last year, but Fleck was always talking about his talent. And it's just, it's funny, but maybe we'll see that eventually. I'm not sure we, we will with this offense, but they do have weapons, and, and Demetrius Douglas is another one. So they, they definitely don't just have Johnson and Bateman, and I don't think Maryland's going to have enough corners to stop them. But you did mention... The way to potentially slow down is through getting pressure. They've averaged over two and a half sacks per game. That's pretty decent when you're looking at the national rankings. So they have that ability. The offensive line, especially in the run game, has been better. So that's kind of a good matchup to kind of key in on uh, looking forward. And other keys that I kind of would keep an eye on, one is time of possession. Gophers are 13th in the country, in the country, uh, averaging 33 minutes uh, per game in time of possession. And Maryland is 110th. So... I'm not exactly sure, but they might be 13th in the Big Ten in just time of possession. So I would expect to see Mar- uh, Minnesota have the ball for most of the game. If they don't, that would be uh, quite the surprise. And then the other thing that I that stuck out to me is they're, Maryland is the 12th best in the country in uh, average yards per punt return. They get 15 yards per punt return. Every coach always talks about field position, field position, field position, especially running the ball, getting just having good field position. Maryland on the road is that is something to watch out for if they get a big play in the punt return game, which there were a couple called back on the Gophers early in the season. Maybe that was because of the penalties that were called, but sometimes it's something on the other side of the field, so that's also something I would look out for. Are there any other keys that you see that we should be keeping an eye on as going into this game? Um, Yeah, like you just said, special teams. I know Minnesota and Maryland special teams, you know, they're kind of rated some of the worst in the country. So if if Minnesota allows big plays in the special teams like they did before earlier in the season – I mean, it could swing the game Maryland's way, but like you said, Minnesota really controls the clock and time of possession. You don't see them really have shorter drives. You know, if the the, the running backs get to the second, third level, they still end up getting tackled. We've yet to see like a 70, 80-yard run for a touchdown with any of those guys. Minnesota likes to run eight to ten play drives, control the clock, 
and then get a touchdown. Um, one thing to me that sticks out is if this game is close, can you trust Michael Lance, a freshman kicker? I mean, this guy has not been good, and Fleck talked about it. That's the way of a freshman kicker. That's You just have to take the bumps and the bruises that come along with it. But if this game comes down to Michael Lance, I, I don't know if we'll be happy with the result. And hopefully it doesn't come down to that point. And I think there has to be talk and there should be talk about this being a potential trap game. They've got Penn State lurking in a couple weeks. I know maybe the bye week next week helps because it's not the week immediately following. But maybe even that, you know, we get a week off. That's kind of nice rest for our bodies. So it's interesting. Rutgers was just not talented enough to be a trap game. Yeah, they're terrible. Maryland has that ability. We've seen it the past two years about this being... Uh, we've seen the last two years that they can upset this team. It wasn't even an upset when they did it. So it's definitely something to look out for. Have they talked about being extra focused with the bye week on the horizon with Penn State, who all the fans want to know is college game day going to come if yeah. that happens? It's kind of the it's the buzz around in the Gopher fan uh, just psyche. And so this could be a dangerous game for them. Yeah, I mean, but the the one thing that I think, you know, the Gophers players and the coaching staff does best is they every week they talk about they're not worried about what's going on one week, two weeks from now. They're worried about that game. You know, it's like Fleck always says, it's the Super Bowl against Maryland. It's the Super Bowl against Rutgers. They don't really look past any opponents, or so they say. But you, you try to get anything about them about the future schedule, and they, they, they won't talk about it. They won't even talk about anything going into the offseason. I mean, this is a team that has focus, and they prove that through the lack of penalties and lack of turnovers. They're two of the – I mean, if you account for they, – they only average four penalties a game. They're one of the teams with the least turnovers throughout college football. I mean, this team, they come to play, and they're not going to make mental mistakes. And in, in order for Maryland to beat them, the, the Gophers will have to do that. And going off last week, our predictions, we're going to do it again this week. I've got Minnesota 31, Maryland 26. I just think the running games are going to be there. There's going to be some passing plays, but I think it's just it's just a game I'm worried about. I don't know. It's like I'm not like – I don't know. I'm not super worried, but in the back of my head, I'm like, don't get ahead of yourself. Like, it, it, every Big Ten opponent is is a good Big Ten opponent. I know maybe with the exclusion of Rutgers, <laughs> and they've had to go against Illinois and Purdue, which haven't been great. And Maryland has shown they can put up points. And so, if Maryland gets off to maybe a 14-0, uh, like they're in a lead, 14-0, is that something that they we can come back from? Like, we haven't seen that as much in Big Ten play. So. I think the Minnesota will win this game. I think maybe Maryland will make it closer at the end, and the score will reflect maybe not as close as the game is, but I think it's a five-point game. Yeah, I think it's uh, 34-24 is what I'm going to go with. I think Minnesota doesn't cover the 16-and-a-half spread. I mean, that's a lot for Big Ten play, and I know Maryland's not the greatest team, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think Maryland's going to score some big touchdowns at the end of the game to kind of pull the game closer and make it closer than it is. Um, but like I said, if Maryland – I mean – if Minnesota makes mental mistakes and the you know the special teams isn't great, Minnesota could lose this game. I mean, they can't look past anybody. And Maryland, you know, Loxley's in his first year. I know it's kind of a he didn't get any really recruits later on because he got hired in December after the signing day. So um, this is going to be yeah, this game worries me a lot. I mean, but we'll see. That's why you got to play the game, and uh, I hope I hope we're both wrong. And this is the game, first game that they'll head into as the leaders of that Big Ten West. So I don't know if any pressure gets added there because they are kind of Wisconsin lost. You know, we've, we're controlling our own destiny. You know, we got to be Penn State. We're moving on. So it's just 
I know every coach and every player is going to say we're not worried about it, but you, you don't really know until we get out there and we see how much preparation that they put in for this game. So, John, thank you for being with us. And yeah, thanks, Paul. We'll have, a, we'll have a week off of football uh, with the bye week coming up, but if Minnesota wins and if Penn State's still undefeated, that's going to be a big game that you're going to want to tune into this podcast for. So thanks. In other news, the volleyball team grabbed a pair of home victories on Friday and Saturday, beating Northwestern and Illinois. The 13-3 and team is ranked number seven in the country for the second consecutive week, trailing Big Ten teams Nebraska and Wisconsin, who are fifth and sixth. This weekend, the women travel to Michigan to play both Michigan State on Sunday and Michigan on Friday. The men's hockey team swept their home opening series against Niagara, taking Friday's game 3-2 in overtime and then 4-2 on Saturday. This weekend, they have a home-and-away series with in-state rivals Minnesota Duluth. The Gophers will play at Mariucci on Friday and travel to Duluth for a Saturday showdown against the number 8-ranked Bulldogs. The women's hockey team is still without a loss this season after their latest sweep against St. Cloud State. They put their streak to the test against fellow top 10-ranked team Ohio State on the road, with matchups on Friday and Saturday. For the third consecutive week, Angus Flanagan posted a top 10 finish in the men's golf team's latest tournament. Flanagan's Gophers finished 11th in the Tavistock Invitational, which concluded their fall schedule. Their next tournament isn't until February. Both the men's and women's swim and dive teams dropped their first road duel of the season against Florida State last week. They returned to action this Saturday in an away duel against Iowa, before returning home for a couple home matches in the coming weeks. The men's basketball team is set to get rolling soon. The team has their first and only exhibition on Monday, October 28th, against Southwest Minnesota State, for their season opener on November 5th against Cleveland State at home. That's all we have for you this week. We'll be back again next week to give you the weekly rundown on all things Gopher Sports. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. We'll see everyone next week.